and welcome to the first ever episode of the Anti-Football Podcast. My name is Chris, I am your host and I am joined by my co-host Harry. Harry, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you, mate? Oh, I'm brilliant, mate. I mean, I'm just absolutely buzzing to get this second recording of the podcast just out there. <laughs> I, and Yeah, for those of you who don't know, um, we had a bit of a problem. This is our second time recording this episode because the first time, Soundtrap fucked us over. So, fingers crossed it works this time. Yep. <sighs> so, basically, this podcast is going to be just us chatting shit like a wonderful Yorkshireman and a dirty little cockney. I'm not Cockney, I'm yeah, Southerner. Yeah, yeah, same thing, isn't it? <laughs> no. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Really so isn't. anyway, let's get straight into it with the Europa League final happening on Wednesday. Uh, obviously, for those of you who don't know, which should be none of you, uh, Chelsea won the Europa League, beating a, a pathetic Arsenal side 4 1. Um, Harry? I mean, you're the Chelsea fan here. Do you want to take us through your thoughts of the game? Just elation that we actually won. Just given that first half, I really did think that we were going to lose. Um, and Hazard seems to be on his way out, as he confirmed when uh, BT kind of pushed him for the answer. So, what a way to say goodbye with a bit of silverware and two goals under his belt in the European final. Yeah, and I mean... Um I do agree with your point about the first half. Um, Kepa looking a bit dodgy a couple of times um, in that first half, uh, especially in the 18th minute. Uh, a bit of controversy. Arsenal fans shouting for a penalty there where Kepa just catches the ankles of Lacazette. Do you think that was a penalty? There was definite contact, but I don't think it was enough to warrant a penalty. And I know some people are going to think, oh, that's biased because you're a Chelsea fan. I am admitting that there was contact, just not enough to warrant a penalty, especially in a European final. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you there. Um, he just catches him right on the side of the ankle. There's not really enough to go down, to be honest with you. And I, I think that Lacazette probably should have been booked for diving myself. But, um, yeah, so I think we're in agreement that wasn't a penalty. But still, Arsenal had quite a few good chances that first half. Xhaka hitting the crossbar. Yep from long range uh, they were the better side in the first half like by quite a fair distance but you could tell that Chelsea would try to grow into that game Czech made a couple of good saves um, um, but yeah first half Eden Hazard was really quiet um, I don't know what you thought about that but Maitland now seemed to be doing a good job of marking him first half yeah um, just the entire team was very lethargic so I think he sort of was. He didn't have anyone to sort of play to him, so I think that's big reason why. Yeah, I agree with you about the team seeming lethargic, especially um, your two centre backs, because Lacazette and Abamyang first half they seemed to really be getting behind the centre backs, and I thought for sure that Arsenal were going to get that first goal. Yeah, but no, second half came out swinging. Four minutes into the second half. Giroud with a lovely header right into the bottom corner gets in front of Koscielny and gets on the end of a really good Emerson cross I mean what were your thoughts when that first goal went in well obviously I was overjoyed but um 
usually we're the ones that concede early after the you know sort of half time whistle but whatever Sari said at half time stuck with them and you know from that point the floodgates opened for Arsenal yeah um, I mean after that um, Arsenal barely had a sniffer goal in that second half um, I mean you're looking much better um, and in 60th minute obviously Sloppy defending from Arsenal just allows Hazard to get in behind, squares it to Pedro, and a simple finish 2 0 to Chelsea. It was just centre backs seemed to just be very still, like they didn't seem to be on the toes for Arsenal. Um, what do you think about obviously the whole team in general for Arsenal, but the centre backs seem to be very um, flat footed? Yeah, um, very, very poor. I don't know what was happening with that Arsenal team. I really don't. Yeah, um, and I think the main culprit of Arsenal's poor defending this season was Staffy. He wasn't even playing, so I'm not quite sure why the defence was so poor. But, I mean, just four minutes after that second goal, Maitland-Niles back into Giroud. Uh, for me, it's a penalty. I don't know what you think. But um, Hazard calls you like, converts it, 3-0, no way back for Arsenal. But what about you? Do you think that was a penalty? <laughs> Am I allowed an opinion on that? I'm going to, of course, say yes. Yes, you can have Yeah, I think it was a penalty. Definite penalty. I mean, if the, the BT commentators were even saying that, then yeah. Yeah, I, I think, for me, like it was just clumsy for me. I was obviously right back, being the position he's played most in, this season, but he's not really a clear right back. So obviously, you're going to get moments like that where defending's just sloppy from him, and that was just one of their moments. Just goes straight into the back of Giroud and goes down. Clear penalty for me. But um, five minutes later, a beautiful half volley from Alex Iwobi. Kepper had absolutely no chance. Right into corner. Did you think that Arsenal had any chance when that goal went in of coming back? Obviously, 20 minutes left. Did you think they could possibly get two goals? Or were you pretty confident that Chelsea were going to go Yeah, on I was to win? pretty confident. I I even tweeted out that that was consolation. But it does beg the question as to why why we didn't start. He seemed the most liveliest of all the players. Yeah, um, I agree with you there. Um, it will be in Willock being the two um, main culprits. They just seemed to completely change the Arsenal team when they came on. Because... Before that, they didn't seem to have any pace, despite having two of the quickest strikers in Europe up front for them. Uh, so, yeah, and I mean, just three minutes later, Aubameyang, one of those strikers, just loses the ball really softly in midfield. Um, a beautiful one-two between Hazard and Giroud, and he just smooth as butter was that finish to make it 4-1. And, yeah, any potential hope that Arsenal would have had for coming back into that game was snuffed out there. No check could do, obviously. Um, yeah, I think that was the end of the game, wasn't it? Yeah, 100%. It, and it could have been five, easily, because, I mean, you saw Sarri on the touchline. He was <laughs> telling the Chelsea players, go for five, go for five. And I think you could have probably quite easily have done that. Yeah. Like, on another day, it could have been six or seven as well, because Czech made quite a few good saves. Yeah, I think um, we haven't seen that from Chelsea in a while, that sort of killer instinct to push for more. Usually, we tend to play around the box and sort of try and, you know, waste time. 
we were trying really to put the game to bed beyond that. I mean, early in the season, I saw Chelsea come to Turf Moor, and you seem to have that killer instinct. I mean, obviously, it ended up being 4-0 on the day to Chelsea. Yeah, but I do agree that, besides that, it's, it's just been a bit hit and miss, really. Jorginho's performance um, being key, is really key for Chelsea, because he's your main um, creative midfielder. Um, I think when Jorginho plays well, the whole team yeah. plays well around him. Yeah. All right, I was going to um, say um, that, you know, the play usually goes through him. He's usually the filter of the team. So I completely get why, when he's playing well, the whole team plays well, because he's the, usually the distributor of the team. There you go. There's your analysis. Hazard, obviously, brilliant servant for Chelsea. Um, you can tell when he plays just the effort that he puts in for Chelsea. Don't just rely on his talent like some other players. Um, do you think any of your current wingers will be able to step up to maybe not try and replace Hazard, but try and temporarily fill the void whilst you've got this transfer ban? Um, it's between Pulisic and Callum Hudson Odoi, isn't it? Um, Pulisic isn't really much of an established scorer if you've seen any of his stuff in Bundesliga he's not particularly that great he's a good chance creator but I don't think he'll do anywhere near the impact that Hazard did and Callum Hudson-Odoi um, he's got the potential to be perhaps like one of the better players in the world but it's going to take years obviously Hazard leaving it's going to leave a massive void Um do you think Hazard, with Hazard leaving, do you think that you'll be able to still finish in the top four next season? No, I genuinely don't. He is that important that he has got us around that top four for the past seven years, even winning the league twice. Yeah, with his departure, that's left a massive hole. Just moving on to Arsenal. They were really shy, weren't they? Like... <laughs> They were just so bad. I mean, obviously, seeing Arsenal play on the last game of the season, um, you, you you could tell that they weren't. You could tell that they weren't exactly. I don't think they were top four contenders on that day. They, they weren't good enough for top four. But even just looking at the Europa League performance and comparing the two, they were night and day. Um, yeah. What 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 do you think caused that? Do you think it were nerves or just Chelsea being too good? Well, we had a friendly last week. I don't know whether that would have any sort of impact, but we've been playing at a sort of semi-professional level more recently, whereas Arsenal have probably had that break and gone on holiday and all that and probably not really prioritised it, perhaps. I do think those friendlies were both a blessing and a curse. Obviously, the injury to Ruben Loftus cheek like, yeah. not being the biggest help to Chelsea, I'll just say that. Um, but I do agree with you that that could have possibly helped to tip Chelsea over the line. And obviously, it being Petr Cech's final game, likely, before retirement. Um, what what your thoughts on Petr Cech? Because he's coming to Chelsea, obviously, as well. Yeah, now. not as a player, I expect. Probably as sort of a goalkeeping yeah. coach. Um, he's probably one of the best yeah, goalkeepers. joining as a goalkeeper coach. Yeah. He's probably one of the best goalkeepers in the Premier League era. Up there with Peter Schmeichel and Van der Sar. Yeah. 
maybe they'll look at his time at Arsenal with like I don't know because he wasn't ever going to reach I don't know yeah this is just editor Chris here uh, really good analysis from you yeah Harry yeah. Uh, and obviously the big news just come out today is uh, the Chelsea goalkeeper Rob Green is <laughs> retiring from football as well um, it's going to be hard to fill the void that Rob Green left at your club I don't know if anyone will be able to step up to replace Rob Green like um he was always a good third choice but um he's more remembered with his, at, for his time at West Ham isn't he um, and that infamous, infamous um, shot by Landon Donovan at World Cup 2010 that went through his legs. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, I know that many TVs were smashed during <laughs> that time. Um, but, yeah, um, just moving on to the Champions League. Obviously, this is being recorded on a Friday. The Champions League final is tomorrow. Um, if I had to push you, what do you think the score prediction will be? Liverpool three, Spurs nil. It's three nil. Wow, yeah, you think it's going to be uh, domination by Liverpool, do you? I just, it. I think it ultimately depends on which Spurs team turns up. That Liverpool team is pretty faultless. Whoever put, whoever they put out, but that Spurs team. You just don't know. You really don't. I completely agree with you there. Um, it is a tricky one because um, obviously it's football. Anything could happen in a one-off game. But um, you've got players like uh, Lloris who is wildly inconsistent for Spurs. Um, obviously, his antics off the pitch don't really necessarily help him. But no. he, he makes some fantastic saves but he also lets in some blunders and I think that sort of sums up Spurs in a way not just this season for the past like 10 seasons perhaps um, obviously you've got just utter quality in that Spurs team likes of Ericsson Kane Ali Son Sissoko but <laughs> I wouldn't put Sissoko in that, that sort of echelon of player yeah, yeah Sissoko's been playing brilliantly for Spurs these past few games. Um, he's been almost a mini Kante as Sissoko. Bit much, isn't it? He's, he's been uh, he's been playing really well for Spurs. I expect him to start um, in the Champions League final. I expect he'll do really well just sitting in front of the two centre backs. Um, but I do agree with with the fact that it really depends which Spurs team turns up because it could be the Spurs team that came back against Man City and Ajax or it could be the Spurs team that lost 1-0 to Burnley you, you just don't know Yeah. Um, I suspect Harry Kane won't start I'm not sure about his fitness but I don't think he'll be ready I don't suspect he'll be ready for the Champions League final to start I think he'll come on in the second half um, but I don't think he'll start and I think that'll really help Spurs in the second half I think it'll really help Spurs in the second half, lift them, thinking, oh shit, Harry Kane's come on, we could actually go on. Yeah. But, uh, you just look at that Liverpool team and you think, how the fuck are you going to beat that? Like, <laughs> I mean, they lost once this season in the Premier League. Like, 
it's just fucking remarkable that Liverpool team, that side that Jurgen Klopp's put together, is just absolutely fucking fantastic. Yeah. Um, even their defence, you know, even if you take away their attack, you've got to try and beat that defence, which at times is so uh, it's insane. You know, because even if you beat Van Dyke, you still got Allison to beat. It's insane. And they've got two of the best fullbacks in the world, like with obviously Robertson on the left, Alexander Arnold on the right. Um, it it's just you, you can't spot any weak spots in that Liverpool team. It's just it it's just absolutely remarkable the side that Jurgen Klopp's managed to build. Um, I don't think there'll be a feeling out process as such as there has been in previous Champions League fixtures because obviously these two teams have already played each other twice this season. Um, I think there will be an early goal. I can definitely see an early goal happening. Um, I think it will go to extra time as well. Okay, wow. Um, I don't think that there'll be a conclusive winner within 90 minutes, but I do think Liverpool will clinch it in extra time. Um, I'm going to say 3-2 Liverpool to win the Champions League. So we're both in agreement they're going to get three. Yeah, um, I can't see that Spurs defence being capable of stopping the likes of Salah, Mane. Um, I'm not sure whether Firmino will start, but even if he's not, Origi's been playing really well as well. You, you um, don't seem to, to stop his... that Liverpool attack. You just have to reduce them. They're sort of, it's damage control, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, there's, there's sort of been two strategies that teams have uh, tried against Liverpool. One is to try and outscore them, which yeah. is not a really smart move. <laughs> like, because if if you put up five or six men, and you might get two goals, but then you'll concede four or five. Yeah. Like, you cannot outscore that Liverpool team. So you've got to try and s- sort of not stop the attack, but try and reduce the damage of, that the attack can do. And I do think that. Um, I'm not sure if they'll be able to do that, Spurs. I mean, you look at the full-backs that are likely going to start, Trippier and Rose, um, do you think they're good enough to stop Mane and Salah? Like, I mean, obviously, Trippier's had a woeful season. I mean, poor Trippier. Um, I, I don't think defensively he's as strong as he is going forward. And I think probably the same with Danny Rose as well. Um, they're not the type of fullbacks that you want to try and defend against Mane and Salah. No, but who, who are the best sort of players to come up against those guys? Yeah, that's that's a good point. I mean, you almost have to double up against yeah. one of against Mane and Salah. Like one of the centre backs comes in, but obviously that leaves you open for a cross into the box. So there's, I don't want this podcast to just become a Liverpool arse licking session. But I mean. <laughs> There's just no way that you can keep a clean sheet against them. I don't, I don't know how many teams have kept a clean sheet against Liverpool this season, but it can't be over five. Uh, well, Barcelona did it at the new Camp in their 3 down win. Um, I, know, I know that. Um, I'm just looking through. Wolves in the FA Cup? Yeah. Everton kept a clean sheet against them. Oh, yeah, no, no, yeah. Uh, Man United. Bayern Munich did. Oh, yeah. 
More than I thought, actually. Okay. Um, oh, yeah, and Shravena Zedva kept a clean sheet against them. Yeah, that's... Um, remember that in Champions League? Yeah, Red Star Belgrade, they are. Uh, I don't know why the fuck I say it like that. Um, <laughs> yeah, you didn't have to say it in their native language. Yeah. I mean, Russia's not my first language, I would admit. Well, um, in Serbia, they don't speak Russian, mate. Eh, yeah, well, just fuck off, you cockney. <laughs> um, Ooh, I'm educated. Yeah, it's, it's fucking whatever. It's not a fucking geography podcast, this, is it? It's a fucking football podcast. Damn it, I'd win. Don't need to fucking teach him what language this week in Serbia, do we? Yeah. Fucking... Keep our listeners thick. That's what they need to do. Because if they get too fucking educated, they w- they wouldn't listen to this shit. <laughs> so. Okay. Sorry, um, I'm not going to run through the uh, fifty US presidents. Sorry. Fair enough. Um. Yeah, but fucking getting back on track. Yeah. Um, I I do think that. Do you think that Harry Kane starts for Spurs? No, I think he'd make more of an impact coming off in that second half because he's such an aerial threat and you need someone to duel with Van Dijk in the air. And I think he may... Well, I've gone 3-0, so I think they'll get chances. It's beating Allison, isn't it? Um, I mean, I do agree with you that coming on and being an aerial threat is something that Spurs would... Be, do well to have it's like um, against Ajax when Lorente came on it was a different type of threat yeah. to that Ajax defence and it worked it ended up working um, and I mean obviously Harry Kane is a much better player than Fernando Lorente so um, coming up coming off the bench I think would be a really good place for Kane and obviously you can't drop Lucas Moira like, after that semi-final performance no. so um, yeah I think we've explored uh, um, Spurs enough and Liverpool enough. Can we just... uh, so we've both gone for a Liverpool win yeah. in this Champions League. Um, do you think that Liverpool will win the Premier League next season? Just an early prediction, pre-transfer window. Do you think they'll be able to top on Man City? No. 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 Yeah, I think I agree with you. Um just with the amount of money that's in Man City, I don't think that they'll be able to topple. They'll be Liverpool will be able to topple Man City because the squad's still going to improve somehow. Yeah. So yeah, I agree with you there. Well, speaking and of so, improvements, should we talk about the uh, transfers or what we expect each club to be looking for in the, for next season? That is a brilliant fucking segue, my friend. Um, Thank you. So. Going into this transfer window, um, we're just going to run down all the clubs and just say what areas they need to improve on this transfer window. Because I think it's fair to say that most teams need a lot of improvements this transfer window. So, starting with one team who really does need a lot of improvements, as was proven by Wednesday, Arsenal. Um, What do you think about Arsenal? Where do they need to improve on mainly? Um, They need a goalkeeper now, haven't they? Uh, since Jack is retiring, so and Leno's been a bit of a flop. If it, 
if we're being brutally honest. Um, a team like Arsenal needs a better shop stopper than him. Um, def- they need a better defence. I mean, they can't be even thinking about top four, top six with that kind of defence. It was absolutely abhorrent. It was awful. Strikers, they're completely fine with Lacazette and Aubameyang. So I think defence and goalkeeper were their main priority. Yeah, I'll agree with you there. Um, obviously, Lacazette and Aubameyang, two world-class strikers. Uh, they weren't firing so well on Wednesday night, but they're absolutely fine in terms of attacking prowess. Um, I agree with you about the defence and goalkeeper, but I think they also need another central midfielder. Um, I've no idea why Unai Emery decided to let Ramsey go on a free to Juventus. Um, I think he's been their best player like in terms of midfielders this season. Um, so I've no idea why... Emery decided to let him go, but they definitely need a Ramsey replacement. Yeah. Thing is, with Granit Xhaka, his discipline is very bad. Um, and he's quite an inconsistent player as well, so maybe looking at a replacement for him as well. Maybe a complete overhaul of that midfield. Problem is, though, that obviously with Arsenal not being in the Champions League next season, they won't be able to attract players of... Ramsey's quality potentially um, I'm not sure whether they'll finish in the top four this season but every time I think of one of those top six that aren't Man City and Liverpool I think oh this is why they won't finish in the top four not this is why they will finish in the top four so I have no clue yeah um, I'm, I completely agree with you in terms of goalkeeping as well um, I don't think it's fair to call Leno a flop but I don't think he's been at the level of a top four goalkeeper, like in terms of quality. Um, I do think they probably need another goalkeeper, and they definitely need another centre back. Mustafi is just the drizzling shits. Like, Shawnee's no better, is he? Where all the kids have diarrhea. <laughs> like, there'd be less shit in that than Mustafi's career. Like, genuinely, he is so bad. Um, and even when he's not playing, the defence is terrible, as was proven on Wednesday. So, I think they just need to completely overhaul that defence as well. Yeah, um, but Arsenal don't tend to spend a lot of money, so we could throw names and positions out. They could end up with playing, you know, the exact same team they have for the, the last season. Mm. Yeah, they could just replace Aaron Ramsey with El Nene. Oh, wow. Right. So... I'm sure Arsenal fans would be happy with that. Um, moving on, we've got newly promoted Aston Villa. What do you think about Aston Villa? Um, their three loanees were their best pairs. Tammy Abraham, Tyrone Mings <coughs> and Axel Twanzebe. So looking to get them on permanent deals. Um, Tammy Abraham's probably the hardest to lock down because I don't know where his future lies with Chelsea. Um, but as with all newly promoted sides, they need to be looking at getting some quality in that they can attract because they're going to have quite a battle ahead and they need players to be ready for that. I agree with you there. Um, I think the main thing is <coughs> Premier League experience. Um, that's something that many promoted teams 
tried to get in the transfer window, and I think it's something that you kind of need yeah. if you're a newly promoted side and you try to stay up. Um, I think Gary Cahill has been a name mentioned to reunite with John Terry. Yeah. I think for any club in the um, like bottom half of the table, that would be a brilliant signing for because um, of just the experience of winning things that Cahill had. I've no idea what he's like in terms of wages, what he'd be demanding, but I think that would be a really good signing for Villa. Yeah. Um, but I do agree with you that they need to lock down those three loanies that they have, because they have been their best players. Um, it looks certain that Mings is going back. Uh, I don't think he wants to go back to Bournemouth, where Eddie Howe doesn't seem to really value him. No. Uh, Twan Zibbe, I could easily see him going back as well. Yeah. But like you said... I'm not sure what Sarri's plans are with Abraham, so he could end up anywhere. Um, but speaking of their best players, like Jack Grealish, I expect he'll be uh, wanted from for like the bigger sides. Um, I expect maybe Spurs to come in for him because they've been linked with him before. Yeah, I agree with you there. That was the main rumor in the January transfer window last season: Grealish to Spurs. But obviously. That move didn't happen. Um, I do think that Grealish will attract attention, but I'm not sure whether he'll go. Obviously, with Aston Villa being promoted, they have premiership football. Um, I think if they didn't get promoted, I think it'd be certain that Grealish would go to a Premier League club. Um, I'm not sure. I think he'll probably stay until next season. Obviously, this is just me speculating. But, um, yeah, I do think keeping Grealish should be a priority as well. Now moving on to Bournemouth. Now, Bournemouth are a funny side. They seem to be following the same model that Tony Pulis's sides used to always do, um, like at Stoke and West Brom, where they get to 40 points before the end of the season and just give up. And they just fall like a stone, but they'd always stay above the relegation zone. Um, and they need to stop doing that, because look where Stoke and West Brom are now. Um I think goalkeeper is probably the main position for Bournemouth that they need to improve on. Um, obviously, Boric is far too old to be a Premier League goalkeeper. Um, and Begovic is way too inconsistent. He makes too many mistakes in between the sticks and I think they need to replace him as soon as possible. Yeah, completely agree. Uh, um, what are your thoughts on the signing of Lloyd Kelly from Bristol City for Bournemouth? Um, they're looking to get some younger names at the back because obviously Steve Cook is one of their better sort of names at the back, but they want to sort of freshen it up. So I think having a young English talent in their ranks is obviously a positive. Yeah, he's um, a really similar player to Nathan Ake. Obviously, he can play both centre back and left back. He's played both positions for Bristol this season. Um, yeah, I. And I just think Bournemouth have a really good history of developing young English talent and I think that'll continue with Lloyd Kelly um, obviously with Nathaniel Klein going back on loan to Liverpool I think Lloyd Kelly could potentially be a replacement or they could perhaps be looking for another right back um, and I think they just seem like they need to just shore up a couple of positions if you get what I'm saying I think what's sticking out like a sore thumb is they have to keep Callum Wilson and Ryan Fraser. That is priority. Because they are the reason that they do reach that 40-point threshold. Uh, um, 
I agree with you completely there. Fraser especially. Um, I think he's him along with Brooks on the right. They've been integral in the creativity for Bournemouth this season and managing to supply Callum Wilson so that he can get the amount of goals that he does. Um, I know that Wilson and Brooks have been linked with an £80 million move to Spurs. Uh, I think that would be absolute madness for Spurs to yeah. pay that much for those two players. But um, <laughs> would you accept that if you were Bournemouth, if that bid came in? Yeah. £80 million. Uh, Yes. A club like Bournemouth having £80 million, they could do loads with that because they're not going to spend stupid money on players. They could pretty much overhaul their whole team with that kind of money. I mean, obviously, it might just be paper talk. It might be absolute yeah. rubbish that that bid's happening. That bid might not have even been considered. But um, I do agree with you. I think if it is true, I do think Bournemouth should accept £80 million for those two players. Because they'd still have Ryan Frazier on the left. Yeah. Right. And there's plenty of English uh, strikers yeah, I do think to fill that, that spot. Yeah. Yeah. Completely agree with you. Um, yeah, so I just think keeping those that core of young English players is the most important thing for Bournemouth at the moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, moving on to Brighton. Now, for me, it has to be a new striker, surely. Glenn Murray's 35 years old. You can't be relying on a 35-year-old to score half of your club's goals in a relegation battle. No, that is pretty ludicrous, yeah. I mean, it seems pretty harsh because... Murray's had a good few seasons in the Premier League for Brighton. Um, he's played really well, but it, it's just you never know when that quality is going to leave him. Yeah. Um, it, and, and I just feel like it's going to be this season, um, this coming season, I feel like Murray's just going to drop off. And I mean, they've got an ageing squad as well at yeah. Brighton. I know... Bruno, he's retiring their captain yeah. right back, so right back's going to be a position what they need to invest in. I think more importantly, with Bryant, Bruno leaving to, due to retirement, they're going to need to be looking at getting a leader or at least promoting a more uh, suitable candidate for that, such as uh, Lewis Dunk. Yeah, that was the name I was going to bring up. Um, Lewis Dunk seems like the most suitable candidate to be the next captain, unless they bring in a Premier League leader, um, I do think Lewis Dunk will be captain, it's just whether he'll be able to step up and steer Brighton's safety, I'm not sure. Um, I do think as well that they need to invest in another winger. Um, I like Knockhart um, for Brighton, I know he's faced quite a bit of criticism this season, but I, I do think he's a good player, but um, the likes of Johan Bash, um, they're not good enough for the Premier League. No. Um, I think he didn't even score a single goal. So that is, you know, again, still relying on uh, Glenn Murray, even though you're bringing in these new names. They had Iscadero, who wasn't very memorable, I think, because he was injured as well. Yeah. Two issues there. They invested in these unknown youth players from abroad. I don't know why they were doing that because they need to be looking at getting established players. Because these players aren't going to be around playing in the Premier League if you're, you know, 
focusing on getting loads of young lads because they're not going to do anything for you. Signing players from like bloody Sweden isn't helping. Yeah, no, I do agree with you there. Um, I I think that Brighton are going down next season. Um, I don't know about you, but I just don't think they have the quality needed to stay up. Um, unless they really heavily invest in this transfer window. Um, I think that all three of the premier promoted clubs have been better than them this season. Um, and I just think they don't have enough creativity and I think that should be the main thing they look for in this coming transfer window. Yep. Um, also the sacking of uh, Chris Hughes as well. Chris Hutton, rather. Yeah, rather yeah I didn't get that. Um, I mean, obviously, Chelsea have a history of sacking managers. I don't know if you understood why they sacked Hutton. Well, they were they survived the Premier League and they were FA Cup semi-finalists. It really is one of those bizarre sackings. Yeah, and I mean, he took them up as well like, yeah. through the Championship, so... I've no clue why they decided to sack him. Um, it's just a case of can they bring in anybody who'll improve that side? And I can't think of anybody who's available who'll do that for Brighton. Um, they, they've already brought in um, uh, Graham Porter. Oh, yes, they have, haven't they? Um, I mean, just hearing that name... Um, uh, hi, this is Editor Chris again. Uh, just lost some fucking clips. Uh, basically, in between here and now, I talk about how Graham isn't really a name who I think will keep Brighton up, and how Burnley mainly need a quick striker to help us stay up. Um, I think... Uh quick striker, someone like a Che Adams or a Mope from Brentford, um, they'd be really good signings for us. Um, and I think creativity in midfield as well. Um, Jack Cork and Ashley Westwood, two really good players. Um, but they're kind of really similar to each other. Um, they both just get stuck in. Um, but we need a player sort of like what we have with Stephen DeFore. But just seem to fall never fit. We need a creative midfielder. I know we've been linked with um, Adrian Treble from Anderlecht. Um, I think he'd be a good signing for us. But I think they're the two main positions what we need to invest in next season. Yeah. You've lost Joe Hart, so. I mean, you've still got Nick Pope. Uh, not top yet, of we haven't. Um, okay. Um. I think it looks likely that he is going to go, though. Um, problem is with Joe Hart is that he made some good saves, but he just never controlled the defence like Heaton and Pope do. Um, Pope and Heaton know exactly where the defence in front of him is at all time, and Heaton's a leader, and Hart just isn't. And I think that's why he ultimately flopped at Burnley. Um and I do think we need another left-back as well, because Stephen Ward, obviously, leaving the club, that means we've only got one left-back, so we need another left-back as well. Yeah, I'll just let you talk about Burnley. You're probably the expert on them. 
Yeah, yeah, I know, but I'm just thinking... I don't know whether I'm being biased or not. I, I would like to hear an outsider's perspective as well. Yeah. Um, I think... I can sometimes be a bit of a clouded judgement um, when it comes to Burnley. Um, and yeah, I think they're the three main positions. A creative midfielder, Pacey striker and another backup left-back. I mean, obviously, the likes of Dwight McNeil yeah. coming up through the academy. Um, we've got a really good academy at the moment, I think. Um, and I think we're going to have quite a few players coming up through that youth rank. And I think Dwight McNeil's really shown that players can do that at Burnley. And I think we will attract quite a few young players off the back of that as well. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, um, so moving on to your club, um, Chelsea. Now, obviously, Chelsea have the transfer ban, but let's just say hypothetically, the the appeals work, and by July the first, it's been um, repealed. Is that what implied you're trying to say? on Chelsea? Yeah. Um, so let's just say you don't have the transfer ban. Yeah. What do you get going for? Um, but we got about fifty players coming back on loan, so. Looking to either release them or ship them out. Not unknown because we can only get eight players, I think. That's the new law. So we'd have to get rid of them somehow. And hopefully that will free up a lot of money. Uh, for us anymore, he said that. And a striker. Because Higuain's going back to Juve. Um, Morata doesn't want to play for us anymore. He said that. And he was a few years ago for... Arsenal, not so much now. Um, or even Azpilicueta going on the left. And we have with the likes of Reese James coming back. I hope that he goes there so we won't have to buy anyone. Yeah, um, I mean, I'm, I'm not sure about Abraham. He's not really... I'm, I'm not sure about Abraham. We're a pretty cutthroat club, aren't we? Um, they're like putting that pressure on him. To be the man to rely on is like the best strategy. I don't know. For I don't know whether like putting that pressure on him to be the man to rely on is like the best strategy. I do, I do think for the first season maybe I think Abraham would benefit from perhaps being the second choice at Chelsea. And I think the other position what you haven't mentioned is a new winger if Hazard's leaving. Um, we've got Pulisic, yeah, coming back from the, the, their loans that I'm forgetting about at the moment. I think, maybe... Got Kennedy from Newcastle. And Callum Hudson-Odoi, in his limited appearances, has always impressed. A goal scorer. I'm not so sure whether him being the man to rely on at 18 years old is the best thing for him. Um, pressure off of his shoulders for next. I do think he could develop into a world-class player, and I think he probably will. But I just think he needs a bit of pressure off of his shoulders for next season. For me, anyway. This is just an outsider's perspective. I don't know what it's like being a Chelsea fan looking at that. Maybe I'm chatting absolute shit. Right? Um, well, he did want to leave us back in January to go to Bayern to do exactly what we wanted him to do next season. Whether Sari or whoever's in charge thinks the same. Yeah, I mean, 
I do think if he, if if Hudson Odoi wants to play, you should just let him play because he. I hate the fact that some people think, oh, he's only 18 years old, so you shouldn't play him. If, you, if you're good enough, you're old enough, simple as. Yeah. But I'm not so... Oh, I, I think I'm just going to contradict myself. I do think he's ready, probably, for your starting lineup, especially after this season. Yeah. Yeah? Yep. Okay, moving on to Crystal Palace. Now... They've been a funny team, Palace. Um, I think the main priority of this transfer window, trying to keep Wolf Zaha. Yeah. Without Zaha, they are a relegation quality side. They're a championship side without Zaha. Um, I know some people bring up the fact that he's potentially more style over substance. I don't agree with that personally. Uh, what do you think about that? Um, He can be, but when they're in that relegation battle... He does turn it up, and he does deliver always. So I think, at, especially at a club like Crystal Palace, that's where he's going to thrive. Yeah, and I mean, we've seen him at Man United, where he didn't have the best time there. No. Um, obviously, I think if he went back to a top six club, I do think obviously he'd have a better time of it. Um. But I do think that should be the priority, keeping Zaha. Apart from that, um, I think maybe another striker or another winger. Um, yeah. Just another attacking player. Obviously, with Batshuayi going back to Chelsea, um, maybe they could try and lock down Batshuayi or go in for another striker. Um, um, I mean, you look at the yeah. strikers that they have now, the likes of Connor Wickham, Christian Benteke, they're not good enough, really. No. Um, they really aren't. Benteke, he was a bit, I don't know, he was okay at Liverpool. I mean, I don't really know why he was brought to Selhurst Park, really, because he hasn't lived up to whatever the expectation was. Um, Connor uh, I think the hope was that he'd recapture some of the form that he had at Aston Villa, but yeah. obviously that hasn't panned out for him. Um, yeah. But I mean, the thing is with Palace is that they have the potential with the players that they have to climb up the table and maybe become a top 10 club. Yeah. But I think to do that, they do need to shore up a few positions. Yeah. Um, yeah. Maybe you're looking at someone to partner Milivojevic, who's been really, you know, probably outside of Zahar, their best player. Or, oh, actually, I'd probably say their best player is uh, Wan Bissaka, actually, who is definitely a player that shouldn't be. I, I don't think he's another one who could potentially be leaving yeah. Palace this summer. Um, keeping hold of him will be a priority as well. Yeah. Um, looking at better centre backs because they're going to be losing. Oh, Scott Dan's getting on now, and I don't know. They just don't seem that great, do they, at the back? Oh, um, I'll agree with you there. Um, but yeah, going back to what you said about a partner for Milihojevic, um, I think Maya was brought in 
to sort of be that player, but he hasn't lived up to the potential from when he played at Schalke. No. Um, I, I do think that they need another sort of attacking midfielder, sort of what Maya was brought in to be, but he hasn't lived up to the hype. Yeah. They need someone like um, a Gilfie Sigerson type, someone to play behind the striker, and if the striker isn't sort of living up to expectations to get those goals as well. Yeah, I agree with you there. Um, yeah, I've no more to add on to that. Okay. Um, moving on to Gilfie Sigurdsson's current club, uh, Everton. Three. Now, Everton are a funny team. Um, I think a, either a proper striker or a proper winger should be Everton's priority because um, they're playing Richarlison on the wing yeah. which obviously isn't his best position no. um, I think if they played Richarlison up front he could be a 20 goal a season striker Yeah, but they don't have a winger to play on the wing in place of Richarlison so a winger would be the priority for Everton because Czech Tosun isn't good enough for where they want to be. No. Which is pushing that top six. Yeah. Although I do like what I've seen from Bernard. He's a really clever trickster. I just think he needs to be a better goal scorer. And I think then you've got the player that you want at Everton. Yeah. Um, I agree with you there. Um, I do think it's unfortunate for Bernard that... Sigurdsson is at Everton and that he's so good because I think Bernard would be so much better playing in Sigurdsson's position yeah but obviously he can't do that because Sigurdsson's there um, I think out on the wing he's playing well for Everton um, yeah I just think they need a right sided midfielder to just plug that hole where Richarlison is and move Richarlison up to striker because yeah. I mean um, in terms of going forward they have a really good side yeah they really do um probably not on par with the time when they had Lukaku up top but you know sort of near that level yeah I'll, I'll agree with you there um I mean obviously I think we'll need another centre mid as well uh Andre Gomez going back to Barcelona off his loan spell um I know Barcelona I've had a couple of bits from West Ham and Spurs for Gomez, so it doesn't look like he's going back to Everton. Um, a bit peculiar that Marco Silva isn't trying to more aggressively to get Gomez, but I do think they need another centre mid if they don't get Andre Gomez. Yeah. Um, maybe looking at centre back since they'll be losing Kurt Zuma as they'll be returning back to Chelsea, or even getting him on a permanent deal. I agree with you there. Um, I think Michael Keane's really stepped into his own yep. at Everton this season. Obviously, when I saw him at Burnley, obviously I knew he had the potential to be a top-four quality centre-back. Um, yeah, go on. And I think his first season, he was really dodgy at the back, but I think he's starting to make that centre-back position his own. Yeah. Um, obviously, they have Yerry Mina, who's been a bit hit and miss this season. Um, obviously, really deadly at corners. What is he, like, 6 foot 4, 6 foot 5? Yeah. Really tall. Um, but I do think he's a bit hit and miss. They need a consistent centre-back to partner Michael Keane. Yeah. 
Um, left back is absolutely no issue because Lucas Digne was probably the best left back last season. I'll agree with you. Um, I mean, I don't seem to be hearing anything from the top six clubs looking for him. Which no. I think Everton would do well to keep on of Digne. I yeah. do think he's a really good player going forward. Um, he really doubles up well with Bernard on that left-hand side. And... Um, it really does in some really deadly crosses. I do think Barcelona were mad to let him go. Um, um, he went out on loan to think... Roma, didn't he? Um, just didn't impress. So whoever signed him at Everton obviously saw something where he needed work and now he's probably the best Premier League left-back. So whatever they've done with him, they need complete praise for. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I think they're absolutely sorted in that left-back position. Yeah. Um, and the last position I want to bring up is um, goalkeeper. Okay. Now, with Jordan Pickford, he's really inconsistent. He really lets in some howlers sometimes. Yeah. Um, I don't think he should be dropped yet because he has done well for Everton and England. But I do think you probably need another goalkeeper, even just to put the pressure on Pickford a little bit. Yeah, I think, yeah, because then he'll might... I think because he's, he's still young, he's going to be making those mistakes. So I think maybe having sort of a more uh, experienced hand sort of go head-to-head for that goalkeeping spot, I might see him be a bit more precarious when trying to you know, save the ball on that. Because against Liverpool, he tipped it up. Um, he tipped it up into his own net. I can't remember how it happened. But it was a big howler. Somewhat like that, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, um, I, I do agree with that. I, I think a more experienced goalkeeper would really help him out. Um, yeah, like... That's what I've got to say about Everton. Have you got out to add? No, that's that's all. Yeah. yeah. So we'll move on to Leicester. Now Leicester have a really, really good young English core. I'm really jealous of Leicester. Um, but I think in terms of where they want to be, um, which is pushing that into Europe, I do think they need another striker. Obviously, with Shinji Okazaki leaving, yeah. um, that basically just leaves James Vardy. Now, um, Vardy's really, he's a really quality striker. But he's getting on. Like, yeah. We don't know when he's going to lose his pace. And if he does lose his pace, or if he gets injured, for example, the fuck's up from? Like, they yeah. don't have anyone to step in to replace him. Yeah. Um, I think the main thing for Leicester is looking at more English prodigies. I mean, look what they've done with James Madison, Ben Chilwell, Harry Maguire, Jamie Vardy coming from Fleetwood, so practically, you know, the unknown, and turning into, well, Jamie Vardy's a uh, Premier League winner now, isn't he? I do agree with you that maybe they should try and look in the championship for 
another striker because I mean they are really they're really good at that. I mean obviously James Madison came from Championship, yep. Jamie Vardy. No, Jamie Vardy came from non league. Jamie Vardy came from non league. Were Fleetwood in non league when they signed? Yeah, he, he's the first ever player to sign for uh, six, no, seven figures for a Premier League club from non league. Alright, I thought they were either in League 1 or League 2 for some reason, Fleetwood. Uh, um, they, they weren't at the time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I agree. They're really good at developing players from the lower leagues. Um, again, I think a player like Ache Adams would really suit Leicester. Yeah. Um, a young English quick striker who they could develop into a really prolific Premier League striker. Um, apart from that, I think another centre-back as well should be needed. I mean... It looks more and more likely as the days pass that Harry Maguire could be leaving. Um, but even if he doesn't, I think Leicester need a better partner for him than Johnny Evans. I, I don't know what you think about it, but that's what I think. Yeah. Um, who's, who's his partner? He's got Siunchu and Wes Morgan. Wes Morgan's getting on now, you know, as they refer to him admirably as Captain Morgan. I think they do... They do need a better partner. I mean, if Harry Maguire's going, then they, yeah, they need to get two quality centre-backs. Yeah, um, but apart from that, I think just keeping the squad that they have, the likes of James Madison, um, Wilfred Ndidi, Ricardo Pereira, they're really good players who Leicester really could build that team around. Um, yeah. I think next season for them's going to be a crucial one because obviously... All these players that have stepped out into their own, like, could potentially leave, and I think this transfer window should be about trying to keep them. Yeah, I think um, the current trend of the transfer market is going for these young, um, impressive sort of English Premier League players, isn't it? And they'll pay like these insane prices. So maybe if a f- if a fee came in that was sort of above what they value them at, then, yeah, maybe they might make it, let them go and then just look into the championship for yeah. an alternative. Yeah, I mean, I've heard ridiculous rumours like um, Liverpool looking at 70 million for James Madison, which, Jesus. I mean, is 99%, I'm sure that's utter bullshit. Yeah. But if they are, going to bid 70 million for him then just take that yeah right. I, I don't doubt that he's linked with Liverpool yeah. in any way it's that fee that is utter you know it's ludicrous yeah um, I do think if I agree with you if they get the right price for a player I do think they should sell Yeah. but I think ideally they just want to keep the same squad from last season because I think they can do really well with that yeah uh, um, right now Moving on, we've got Liverpool. Now, I have no idea how the fuck you improve this Liverpool <laughs> side, apart from one position, which is a Van Dyke partner. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even then you're sort of clutching at straws somewhat, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, um, I mean, you've got Matip, and you've got Lovren, and you've got Gomez. Yeah. They're the three that have been sort of rotating around that partnership with 
Van Dyke. Um, I think Gomez. I like Gomez. Um, just from what I've seen of him this season, he does have the potential to be as good as Van Dyke. Really versatile, can play anywhere in defence. Um, yeah. I just think maybe he's the weakest part of their team. Um, and if they want to try and challenge for the Premier League, then they need a replay. They need a partner for Van Dyke. What's almost obviously you're not going to get one equal to Van Dyke, but one that's almost as equal to Van Dyke. Yeah, I think they've got to be young as well, so that you can sort of build on it. The name that pops in my head is uh, Matthias De Ligt, but they might have to pay a, you know, a ridiculous fee because clubs like Barcelona want him, and I imagine that's where he would want to go. But obviously, he's worked with Van Dijk with the, yeah, the mean, Netherlands team. Yeah, um, obviously, Frankie De Jong as well going to Barcelona. That could be. An influence on deciding where Delict would like to go, but uh, yeah, I do agree that Delict would be almost a perfect signing for Liverpool in terms of sorting out that back line. Um, and I mean, apart from that, I really don't know where to look. I mean, even on the bench, they've got quality players who can come off the bench. Um, and I'm really clutching at straws. Maybe an attacking mid. Because most of the midfielders that they have, like Fabinho, Henderson, Milner, um, the defensive. I mean, Kaita was almost expected by the media to sort of be more attacking than them, and he hasn't lived up to the hype. So maybe they could look for an attacking midfielder, someone like a Donny van der Beek. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, if the media was looking at Naby Kaita to be an attacking midfielder, then they haven't done their homework on him. Um, he's been always been a bit more defensive, but he will grab a few goals. So yeah, um, James Milner tends to get his goals from set pieces. So, do they need an attacking midfielder? Also, um, if Salah just... or Mane gets injured, they're pretty screwed. Yeah, I mean. Um... They've got people like Shakiri and Origi to come in, potentially, to replace them. But, I mean, obviously, they're not the quality of no. Salah or Mane. Um, I, I have no idea. Like, I mean, you, you just look at that Liverpool side and you think, they've really built something special. And you, yeah. can't, you can't be harsh on any of those players that no. have got 97 points and to a Champions League final. Yeah, back-to-back um, Champions League finals, actually. Which is on your feet that uh, Real Madrid have done in recent history. Yeah, um, so you can't really pick out any players and say they should be replaced. Um, yeah. Because they have done, that's a fantastic achievement. Back to back Champions League finals, 97 points in the Premier League. Like, I, I just think the partner for Van Dyke, and I think they're sorted. Yeah, yeah, completely agree. So, moving on to a side that I don't think will be much easier. Uh, Man City. What do you think about Man City's team? Um, well, they need a leader now, actually, now that I think about it. Um, since uh, Vincent Kompany's retired, or he's going to Anderlecht as a player manager. So, look, because 
a potential centre-back player and someone who's going to be a leader. Um, they could always get Laporte to be that guy. A couple full-backs. That's pretty much it. Yeah, um, I agree with everything you've said there. Um, the only thing what I'd add on to that is maybe another centre-mid. Because obviously... Fernandinho has been crucial for them this season. Yeah. But he's 34 years old. Like, you can't rely on Fernandinho forever. They have got Phil Foden. Yeah, uh, but Foden's more of an attacking midfielder than Fernandinho. Yeah. Yeah, under one, I mean, obviously. Yeah, I mean, it seems like the sort of grooming Gundogan for that number six role yeah. that Fernandinho has. Um,. I just think maybe they need a sort of younger, like, direct replacement for Fernandinho. Um, but I don't know who you could get who would be that. Dennis Zakaria? Yeah, someone like Zakaria. Um, That's the first name that popped in my head. Yeah. Um, and I think it'd be a relatively decent price as well. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I don't think it'd be too expensive for someone who isn't going to be a crucial player right off the bat for City. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know if you have what else to add about City. No, they've pretty much got like Liverpool the perfect squad, haven't they? Yeah, it's depressing. <laughs> but let's move on to probably an easier target Manchester United now go on just unload on Manchester United Harry complete overhaul of their team it is this is Manchester United who are Premier League champions Champions League winners they play like a mid-table side sometimes and they just scrape a win by the skin of their teeth they need a complete overhaul Yeah, I completely agree with you. Um, just looking at the team that they have, there's not, apart from David De Gea, there's not one player who you can pick out and say, that player will win you a league, or that player will win you a Champions League. Like, there's just no one who'll do that. Um, I mean, they're, not, they're relying on players like McTominay and Pereira. <laughs> Yeah. Like, you can't do that as a top four club. Yeah. Um, I think United fans might get an odd back about Pogba, but he only really turned up when Solskjaer came in, and who knows how long he's going to hold that job for, because he, since he was uh, appointed as a permanent manager, he hadn't won a single game. Oh, yeah, that completely agree with you there I think he's way too unproven to be the Manchester United manager um, and I agree with you with Pogba as well I mean he had about six weeks when Scholzar first came in when he was a fantastic player fantastic like at the World Cup yeah but before then and since then he's been terrible like yeah I think um, looking at I mean they're going to get quite a fee for Pogba so, um, I think Solskjaer might look at getting some 
English players, maybe? Yeah. I know um, Sean Longstaff from Newcastle, he's been linked quite heavily with um, Man United. Um, I'm not sure if he'd be what Manchester United need. I think they need more proven players just to step in and be a Manchester United player. Hmm, yeah. Um, do you expect players like Rashford to go? And Lingard? Um, I, I don't think they'll go, but I don't think they're good enough for Man United personally. I know that Rashford's young, yeah. but just he's been outscored by Ashley Barnes three seasons in a row. <laughs> I mean, he is the most overrated Premier League striker. Like the only reason he's rated as highly as he is is because he played for Manchester United. Yeah. That that's the only reason. Um he's I he shouldn't be in that Manchester United first team. Like he's he's not he's just not good enough for it. And the same with Lingard. He's the world's oldest teenager. Everyone keeps saying, Oh, he's gonna break out. He's twenty seven. <laughs> Should have broken out ten years ago. <laughs> That's brilliant. Uh, uh, they're a different breed, Manchester United fans. Yeah. I think that's fair to say. Yeah. So, yeah, complete overhaul. Like, the needs at least two midfielders, I'd say. Um, another forward, centre-backs, left-back, right-back. Like, yeah. And a partridge and a pear tree. <laughs> um... I don't know, Dallo, he got picked for the under-20 Portugal World Cup team. I think they see oh, some... wow. No, well but they... done. No, that but... means he's definitely ready for Manchester United. No, but they obviously see something in him as to why they picked him. They could have picked... Yeah, yeah, and I'm not saying they should sell him or release him. I'm just saying, like, maybe a loan move, for example, would do him good. Because he's obviously not... Yeah, I think going back to the Portuguese for Manchester League, United. Yeah. Yeah. If he was good enough to be a starter, he'd be in the senior squad. Okay, yeah, that's fair enough, yeah. yeah. Um, so we'll move on to that, to the new Manchester City, Newcastle United. Now, what are your thoughts on Newcastle, Larry? Well, they're going to get taken over, aren't they? They're going to be... Mike Ashley is on his way out, and I can hear the uh, Newcastle fans all cheering now um, this seems like the dawn of a new era at Newcastle United um, with the new the only way is up for Newcastle still got Rafa Benitez which he's always kept them up somehow despite the limited transfer funds so the only way is up for Newcastle ridiculous oh, I completely agree with you I know They've been linked with some ridiculous players. Like I've heard Kylian Mbappe's name mentioned more than once about going to Newcastle. Ah, yeah, yeah. Um, I do think that I don't think we'll go out and spend immediately with that money. I think maybe first twelve months, we'll just bring in some quality players for the position they're in yeah. on the table. Um, I think the main thing for Newcastle is 
bringing back Rondon. Rondon has been absolutely class for Newcastle this season. On his day, he's unplayable. Um, I know he's going back to West Brom on loan. Um, and he could easily go to a higher club, like somewhere like a Wolves or an Everton or a Leicester. But I think Newcastle really need to lock Rondon down. I could see him at Leicester, actually, now. Yeah. Um... Newcastle, they don't score a lot and they don't concede a lot. They, I think they scored 46 goals, conceded 48. And it's just very true with that. At times, I mean, their best player was probably Fabian Shaw. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I completely agree with that. Um, it is a really quality centre back share. Uh, really coming to his own, like in the Premier League this season. Um, I know everyone's been talking about Jamal Lascelles, um, and I do think he's a good player. Don't get me wrong, but um, I do think Shaw's better than him. Yeah, it's simple. Yeah, but Shaw has a Champions League experience with a Basel, so maybe that might have been sort of a reason why. Some of their signings from last season didn't impress at all, like Muto. Almiron was meant to be the saviour of Newcastle. Just didn't really hit the mark. I don't think he scored. I think he played maybe a, a dozen times. Just didn't really hit the mark. Remember um, And I feel like an idiot because I even oh, wrote an um, article about I mean, him. I- <laughs> no, I mean, I remember um, Almiron, when he first started playing for us, uh, playing against us, sorry, it was his debut against Burnley, um, he just blew us away. Um, he was absolutely class, the best player on the pitch that day. But besides then, he's just quietened down. Like, he's got 10 appearances for Newcastle, he's got no goals. Um I don't think he's the player that Newcastle fans thought he was going to be. Yeah, that's the thing. He came from the MLS, um, which isn't a great league to sort of compare quality against. Um, Yeah, just maybe we sort of they thought sort of overthought it. It wasn't in the MLS sort of championship and they thought okay this guy might be sort of our level of player he just wasn't yeah I mean you got to be careful when you're looking outside of the top five leagues because you just don't know whether it's a big fish in a small pond yeah. type deal yeah that's a great comparison yeah um I do think that they need uh, another centre mid as well, mainly. Because um, Shelby's. You can't rely on Shelby in terms of that midfield spot. Um, don't, just don't have the discipline. And I mean, you could ask any Newcastle fan that and they'd agree with you. Um, I think they need someone in that midfield to pull the strings. Yeah. Completely agree. I think that's what they thought that Almon was going to do. Yeah, um, 
uh, again, I just think they need that little bit of creativity because they've got a re- really quality striker up front with Rondon, like if they get him back. Yeah. And they just need to supply him. Yeah. Um, well, the thing with Newcastle is, despite, like, I think the main issue is up top, because they conceded less than Arsenal and Man United, which, is, you know, for a, place, a team placing 13th, um, it's always been their, their goals, never been enough. Okay, um... Uh... I'll agree with you there. Okay, um, moving on to the second newly promoted side, Norwich. Now, I mean, I think Norwich is the same as Villa, really. Um, yeah. What do you think? Yeah, I completely agree. Um, they got to keep hold of Timu Puki and Jamal Lewis. <laughs> um... As you've said before, getting players with Premier League experience, that's going to be their main sort of transfer targets. Yeah. Um, I think that should be the number one priority for any newly promoted club. Because um, if you have someone who's played in the Football League their entire season, their entire career, and you have a full team of those players, the, the, the golf the quality gap between the Premier League and the Championship is bigger than it's ever been. Yeah. And you need someone to bridge that gap. Um, they're very light at the back. I think they've only got like four recognised defenders. To And the Premier League is much higher quality. Your players are going to be more injury prone and more tired. So you're going to need to make changes. So they need to sign more centre-backs and more full-backs as well. And I think that's key for any newly promoted side, as well as having Premier League experience, is being really disciplined at the back. Like that's what we did when we got promoted the third time, and we actually stayed up. That's what Huddersfield did when they first stayed up. Um, you just need to be just solid at the back. It doesn't really matter about scoring goals as such. Obviously, you need to score. Yeah. But it's mainly about defending your first season. Yeah, um, maybe they, I mean, midfield-wise, there isn't any names that are popping out to me. I mean, I know Alexander Tete did play for them when they were last in the Premier League. I remember he scored that amazing goal against Southampton. I don't know whether you remember that or not. Vaguely. I'm sure you remember it better than me. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think uh, Tim Crow, we've touched on this quite a lot, getting more Premier League quality players. Um, New goalkeeper, perhaps? Yeah, I mean, um, he does have Premier League experience, Tim Crow. Yeah. Um, obviously, his time at Newcastle didn't really end in a in the way that he perhaps wanted it to end. But um, I think that Premier League experience will help Norwich, especially in the goalkeeper position. Yeah. 
Yeah, because he can sort of arrange his back line, yeah. And now I think the same can be said about the next team, Sheffield United. Uh, I don't think we should spend too much time on them, really, because we're just going to rehash old points. Um, some that I do think needs to be looked into by Sheffield United, though, is a new striker. Yeah. I mean... Um, They've now lost uh, Dean Henderson, who was on loan from United, so maybe looking at him coming in, or even just going out and getting an even better goalkeeper. Their forwards, I'm looking at them, they're all championship quality. Billy Sharp was in the Premier League with Southampton. He was a complete flop. Connor Washington and David McGoldrick. They aren't Premier League players. They aren't going to keep them up. Yeah, I know. Known to Wigan, so maybe they'll be looking at sending him. Yeah, I know about um, Dean Henderson that he has been training with the Sheffield United squad um, in pre season, so it looks likely that he's either going to be loaned back out or moving on a permanent to Sheffield United. But I completely agree with you in terms of strikers. Um, I think with Billy Sharp, he found his level in terms of a top quality championship striker. Yeah. I don't think he's good enough for Premier League quality, personally. Um, yeah, I, I think the striker position is the main place where they need to improve on. Yeah. Uh I don't, I'm just looking at that squad. It just doesn't shout that this is... It screams championship, doesn't yes, it? Yes, yes. I mean, Villa, They. I think they're the m- more capable of staying up on their on the basis of the squad they got now. And Sheffield United look the least prepared. So, yeah. It's going to be a busy summer for those lot. I agree with that. Alright, so we'll move on to the next club, Spurs. Now, Spurs are a funny team because it, it feels like they need to improve, but you can't really pinpoint where they should improve. Um, Squad depth. I think their starting 11 is fine. I Maybe they're fullbacks actually. Now that I think about it. But squad depth, definitely, because they had to rely on bringing in players like Oliver and Harry Winks, who aren't particularly the players you want to rely on in the Premier League. Uh, I'll agree with that. Um, a club like Spurs, that they are, I do admire them for trying to bring up the youth but yeah. the youth just isn't good enough for the position that they're in um, I do think squad depth should be something looked at um, and about the fullbacks I'm I'm only an R in because I, I think left back I think they're fine I think Rose has really shown his worth this season and Davies is a good backup but right back it's strange because I know Trippier can be good, but he's just had a really bad season. Yeah, um, the 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 Trippier that we saw with England last summer, 
was it, or the summer before, was, you know, the one that you want to play right back for you every week. Then you have the Trippier who will miscommunicate with Lloris and own goal it. Just completely night and day. Yeah. Um, I mean, just... It, it's such a shame because I, I do think he's been treated harshly, Trippier at Spurs. I know some of the fans are really down his throat and calling for his head. And I, I, don't, I don't think that's fair on Trippier. Um, he's had one poor season, but I do think he's been a good player for him. Yeah. Um, do you think it was harsh to leave him out of the England squad? Because he's not been called up for the Nations League games. Alexander-Arnold is the best right-back in the Premier League, so... Um, but who who's, like, the backup option that England have picked? Um, well, I know they've taken Kyle Walker, but they seem to play Kyle Walker as more of a centre-back. I know yeah. they haven't taken Wan-Bissaka, who I would have taken personally. Yeah. Um, I'm just looking it up here because I can't remember off the top of my head. Um... They've got Joe Gomez who could play there. Um, but they don't really have another... I mean, they've got Walker and Alexander-Arnold. Right, yeah. I think those two are better than Trippier. I mean, it must have been a tough job for Southgate to pick out of those three players. Yeah, I mean, I do agree if you're just basing it off of current form. Yeah. That Trippier should have missed out. But I just think it's a bit harsh on him personally because I, I know he can be a good player. It's just frustrating to see him make those mistakes, like you say, the miscommunication with Larice that led to the own goal. Yeah. That was the apex of his mis- his bad luck this season at Spurs, I'll say. Yeah, I think that's fair to say, yeah. Yeah, so moving on to you know a lot about Southampton considering you live in Southampton. Yeah, um main issues striker, isn't it? Um they keep rotating between Danny Ings and Shane Long and Charlie Austin, they can't seem to find who the best option is, even after sort of thirty odd games, which is a really worrying sign. Um, I know they've had like managerial changes with Hassan Hootel coming in. But, um, yeah, they need a striker, someone who's going to play probably their best player for them. Um, in midfield, um, Nathan Redmond has been probably their best player. need some more creative players there. Do you want to add anything before I go on to the defence? Um, they need some more creative players there. Do you want to add anything before I go on to the defence? Um, I do think striker. Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, Danny Ings going back on loan to Liverpool. Um, I do think striker. I think that you're looking at. Obviously, Saints bought um Shane Danny Ings. Oh, yeah, they bought him in January, I think. Well, even so, though, I mean, you've got you're looking at Danny Ings, Shane Long, 
and Charlie Austin. Like, they're your three main strikers who you're rotating yeah. around. Um, you need you need consistency up front. Um, uh, and I think that... I don't think any of those three strikers will give you that consistency. Um, I, I think... It's, it's, it's an hard one, really. Because... Yeah, I, I think striker's the main position, really. I mean... Going into midfield, I know Redmond is really good. Yeah. Um, really quick, really tricky. Um, definitely your best player. Um, but I do agree, you probably need some more assurance in midfield. And you're going to go into the defence, you're going to say, so I'll let you take the reins on this. Okay, they need better centre-backs. I mean, you can't rely on Jan Bednarek, Maya Yoshida and Jack Stevens with Yannick Vestergaard being out injured. Um, they keep relying on their academy, and I know they've produced some absolute gems over the years. There's, aside from Jan Valery, um, there really isn't anyone I would want from the academy in my first 11. So they need to be looking, you know, need to sort of purchase, looking at getting an established name. Whether it be abroad or from the Premier League, that would that they you know need to sort of purchase because they've got a lack of senior players. Be at that level that he was when he when we sold him to Liverpool, uh, but injuries have really derailed his career. Um, and I don't think he'll ever be at that level that he was when he when we sold him to Liverpool. Yeah, I agree. Long they're Championship players at best. Yeah, for me. Yeah, pretty decently. Yeah. Um, do you want to add anything else? No, I think we've uh, broke down Southampton pretty decently. Well, we'll move on to Watford now. What are your thoughts on Watford, Harry? Overachieved, didn't they? Um, got to the FA Cup. There isn't much to improve upon from my standpoint. So... As you, they're like they've got a really good core. The Watford, they're like the players like Dini, Ducore, um, like change the, the group of players there. And I think the main thing is just not disrupting that, yeah. not bringing in too many players to like change. The, the, they just don't need to change much. Watford, um, I think maybe. Another centre back would be ideal for him, but I don't think. I just think keeping that core of players is should be the main thing for Watford. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, um, that was the easiest one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just, just keep doing what you're doing, Watford. Now, um, another club that. Well, no, it's kind of the opposite of Watford this season. They've overachieved, they've underachieved. Yeah. West Ham. Um, you look at the players that West Ham have, and you think they're pushing for Europe. Surely you'd think that. Yeah. But no, they're just clinging on to the top half of the table. I mean, I know they were five points off of Wolves um, at the end of the season, which I mean, 
it it doesn't sound too bad, but they just haven't played anywhere near the quality of Wolves this season. No. No, that yeah, you're right. And and I, and I don't know what to put that down to either. I mean, um, Pellegrini came in, um, and he hasn't really set the world on fire at London Stadium. Um, I think I, I just don't know. I, I don't know how to improve the squad. I don't know whether they need a new manager or what. West Ham. I think the manager's fun. I think it's their strikers. I mean, aside from Arnautovic, they got Chikorito and Lucas Perez to rely on now because Andy, Andy Cowell's contract expired. And I'd probably look at a backup goalkeeper seeing as Adrian's been um, released as well, leaving just Fabianski. Just most of the time, uh, it just I mean, looks like. Squad depth. Could be a crucial thing for him, really. Yeah. Um, I think I agree with you about the goalkeeper. I mean, I wouldn't be looking for a replacement for Fabianski. He's been really good this season. Yeah. Um, one of West Ham's best players. Yeah. But I think maybe. Yeah, I, I, they do need another backup striker. Um, maybe one who's going to start because I know Arnautovic isn't exactly the youngest. I think he's thirty. Yeah, I think it's about 31, yeah. Uh, so maybe bringing in a striker who can score 15 goals a season to try and make him push on. He's 30, right. Um, they, they have had a couple positives, like Declan Weiss coming in, and now he's part of the England squad. Yeah, um, completely agree. Rice is... Really promising young English talent. I, I don't know if he's England squad ready yet. Um, I think he's just, we've just picked him because he's chosen England over Ireland. Um, yeah. Um, but, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I just think they need more goals, really. Um, yeah. I think defensively they're fine, but they just need to score more. Yep, completely agree. Right, and last we have Wolves, obviously finishing in the Europa League this season. Wolves. Um, what what do you think about Wolves this season? Like, do you think they've done well for themselves, or do you think this is a position what really they should have been in? Well, no newly promoted side should be finishing seventh. That is. That is overachieving. But given who Wolves have got as personnel and as manager, that is where they should be, despite this being their return to the Premier League. Um, they, I think they did like the best out you know, those guys, which is incredible. They beat um, Liverpool in the FA Cup up to... Who did they go out to? Up to Watford, didn't they? Oh, yeah, yeah. They went Semi-final. Yeah. League, they need to be looking at getting more quality because no complaints. Just if they want to, since they are in the Europa League, they need to be looking at getting more quality because, so, yeah. 
um, squad squad depth really. play their Premier League matches on the on the Sunday. So yeah, yeah. Um, squad squad depth really. I think it's crucial for any team in the Europa League. Um, I think. I I I think they probably need to shorten the defense a little bit. Because, um, I mean, they conceded three against Huddersfield uh, over the course of the season. Now, I mean, Huddersfield weren't exactly going to outscore many teams, but they beat Wolves twice. So I think maybe another centre-back could could do well for them. Um, but yeah. I think mainly just yeah. squad depth, like you've said. Um just to make sure that the Europa League doesn't kill them. Um, I think depending on their draw, if they're given a really nice draw, then you know maybe squad depth isn't the best. Like if they end up getting teams from Moldova, like Sheriff, I think they'd be fine. Yeah, I mean, um, I think we when we were in the Europa League last season, we were unlucky with the draw. I mean, getting Olympiacos in the qualifying stages who are regular Champions League yeah. um, team I think we were quite unlucky there I do think if we had a better draw we'd have had a decent chance to get into the group stages but I think that would have absolutely killed us in terms of the Premier League I think we would have gone down if we'd have got through to the group stages of the Europa League we wouldn't have been able to manage No. so I do think it's all about shoring up like having two or three in every position for Wolves yeah um, I mean, their best individuals were probably Rui Patricio, Bolly, Doherty, Neves, and Jimenez. Yeah, um, I agree with you there. The, I, I will say they could probably do with another centre mid. Because, um, I mean, besides Moutinho and Neves, who else do they have? I mean, they have Saiz. And they have um, Gibbs-White. And Gibbs White, yeah, isn't that's it. I couldn't quite. remember his name. Yeah, I do think another centre mid would do well for Wolves because Moutinho's getting a bit old, isn't he? So yeah, and they tend to sign Portuguese players, which is going to help with the uh, morale because the manager is Portuguese himself. So I expect they'll go over to the Portuguese league and sign a bunch of their players. Yeah, I mean, I know they've got this um, super agent who has all the connections to <laughs> all the Portuguese players, so that obviously helps Wolves out. Um, but yeah, I think it's squad depth, isn't it? Mainly. Yeah, yeah. Right, so that's all the Premier League squads gone through. Um any other football news you want to bring up? Um, well, yesterday was the FIFA Under-20 World Cup. Norway beat Honduras 12-0. Um, and there's oh, yes, a, I saw that. And there's a player that I think teams should be looking for, and his name is Erling Braut Halland. And I think a team like Real Madrid ought to look at him because he has a bright future. That's... That's... Pretty much all I'm going to say. Yeah, didn't he score like eight goals or something? He scored nine, yeah. 
Nine, right. Um, who does he play for currently? Um, Red Bull Salzburg. Salzburg, right. So it's not exactly a big European club. No. I could see him. What did you say? He's from Norway. Yeah. yeah. So I could see him um, perhaps going to the Bundesliga. I think a player like that would really fit into the Bundesliga. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. Well, um, Real Madrid have got a Norwegian player called Martin Erdegaard, who's doing really good. So having two Norwegian prospects. He sort of. Yeah. Oh, well, I was just saying, Erdegaard sort of fallen off the face of the earth. I remember a couple of years ago, people were saying, "Oh, he's going to be the next Ronaldo. He's going to be the next Messi," but he, he hasn't sort of lived up to the hype. He's sort of been a bit of a flop at Real Madrid, Erdegaard. And I mean, I know it's a bit harsh to say he's a flop when he's this young but he, he has to say the amount of hype that he was brought in with he hasn't lived up to that that's because he hasn't played for Real Madrid he's gone out on loan to Herenveen and Vitesse and been pretty impressive there I think they're just biding their time with him oh, well, from what from from what I've heard uh, I mean I don't watch Vitesse games um, I know they're your feeder club, so yeah. you might watch them. Yeah, I do. But um, yeah, I, I don't watch much Vitesse. But from what I've heard, he's been pretty unimpressive. So yeah, you got in the Eredivisie um, team of the season. All right, well, good for him, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I mean, going back to that um, Haaland, I don't think it's fair. I don't think we should be judging a player on one game. Because, I mean, again, it was against the Honduras under-20s. Yeah. Like, I'm sure if I went down to a local park like, and got 11 people from there, they would probably beat the Honduras under-20s. <laughs> so, yeah. I don't think we should judge him on that one game. Okay. I think, okay. I think that's fair. Um, I suppose we'll just wait and see. See where it ends up. Yeah, it could just stay at Salzburg. But... Yeah. I mean, it's a bit hard to sort of see what's going on in the Austrian Bundesliga. But I think nine goals I mean, is an incredible achievement. Say, we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah. And um, so I wanted to just bring up really quickly is uh, one Joseph Barton. Uh, it's been a bit of uh, trouble again um, getting into a scrap on a stag do Um, from what I've heard he was being provoked but obviously this is the second like this is the second incident that's happened within the past three months with Barton Um, do you think Flitwood should stick with him or do you think they should maybe look to get rid He's not hassle, isn't he? It's like having a child pulling a tantrum every time. I think they just ought to get rid of him. Um, the man is... I think he's a thug, really. On the pitch, he's always shown that, and he's showing that even after his footballing career is over. And I think the only way he can grow up is by facing the consequences of losing his job. That's the way I see it. Yeah, um, 
I, th- I think it's a shame because when he was at Burnley for those two stints, it, it there was no trouble. There was no trouble at all. He was he was just kept under check. Um, he was even our player of the year um, in the 2016-17 season. Like it, there was no no incidents. Like he was there for 18 months, I think. No fighting, nothing like that. But that's the only time where he's been like that. Everywhere else he's been, he's been getting into fights. He's been just been stirring shit. Yeah. So like, even when he, he went to France, he, he was causing trouble. Do you remember in France he was causing trouble when he was on loan at Marseille? He wanted to get into a fight with Zlatan Ibrahimovic. He's an absolute nutter. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think he's the brightest, is he, Barton? No. Um, I mean, it's a shame, really, because you could always tell on the pitch he had a decent footballer's brain, but he just he just couldn't get over like he's the fact that he could never stay out of trouble. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I think I agree with you. If I were Fleetwood, I'd probably be looking to get rid. Yeah. Any other bit of footballing news as such? Uh, no. I mean, I think that's enough. I mean, we've been recording for two hours. So, um, yeah, I think that's a wrap. All right. Um, Right, my name was Chris. Like, you can find me on Twitter at IWGP Chris BFC. Harry, have you got anything to plug? Yeah, I'll plug my Twitter. Uh, follow your boy uh, at House at Hazard Chelsea FC. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, we're looking forward to the Champions League tomorrow. Um, and yeah, that's it. We'll see you all next time. Uh,